living in a crazy time. You can't go see your loved ones when in the hospital. Brother David was on his way to church this morning, and uh, he found out his brother was had a stroke. He took off to uh, uh, Brooksville to see him. He got by halfway up there, and they called him and said, Don't come because you can't get in to see him. And uh, I got to thinking, uh, if one of my loved ones is in a hospital like that, they ain't keeping me out. I know when my wife had my first baby, Cheryl, uh, they t- it was back those days, you know, the daddy couldn't go in to see the babies right away. And uh, I went and asked them. Uh, they come out and said uh, that I had a little girl. And about, I went and sat down. And my sister-in-law was sitting there beside him, and she said, well, what did they say? He said, well, you, your wife had a little girl. She said, and I shocked me so bad I stood and sat down. And so I went around and went up the fire escape and come in the window and stayed with mine. And they'd come in, and they'd find me, and they'd say, get out of here. You can't come in here. And I'd, they'd run me out, and I'd go right back around, come in the fire escape, and come back in the window. And I stayed with them. <laughs> they ain't keeping me out. But uh, it's, it's so strange. We're living in the kind of day that we're living in. They won't even let you in to see your loved one and be with them. And uh, I think that is one of the most important times that you've got to be with them. Amen? And so, But we really need to pray for Brother Pitts. Mrs. Pitts called. And uh, she said uh, that Libra always bounces back. From this, I said, Mrs. Pitts, do you realize what all's happened to Leroy? <laughs> and, but she, uh, he is really weak, and we just need to pray for him. And then now his son's had a stroke also. But pray much about that if you would, please. Tonight, if you would, please. By the way, it's good to have our friend. Uh, she came last Wednesday night, but is this your grandson? Is that is that your grandson? Uh, yeah. yeah. And anyhow, he interprets for her. She's from Cuba, and she can't understand me, but he, he does a good job. And because she told me she loved me afterwards, so I know he's doing a good job. But anyhow, Matthew chapter 11, if you would please. I'll begin to read in verse 1. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commending his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went you out to, into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see, a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, 
we shall prepare thy way before thee. Really I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you receive it, this is the last which was for to come. He that had an ear to hear, let him hear. Heavenly Father, we pray tonight in Jesus' name that you'll open our spiritual eyes and bless us from thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was reading and studying these verses and and uh, just some great things are taught here. In this chapter, uh, shows Jesus as he turns his face towards the cross. You think about that for just a minute. Jesus is fixing to go to the cross. He's he's going to suffer and die on the cross for all the sins of the whole world. All the sins of the whole world is going to be laid on Him on that cross. And Jesus has set His face, the Bible says, as a flint to the cross. He would not turn. And around Him is these Israelites, and they're looking for their promised Messiah. The Bible says He had come into His own, and they received Him not. John 1, verse 11. Then Jesus had looked for, these Jews had looked for a king who would bring deliverance to their nation Israel. But this man was as a root out of dry ground. Isaiah 53 says so. They thought, surely this could not be their Messiah because he had no form nor comeliness. Isaiah 53 again. And there was no beauty, Isaiah 53, such as they desired in their king. Therefore, they despised him and rejected him. They had been looking for a majestic, powerful ruler. But this man was a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. Israel, his own people, according to the flesh, hid their faces from him. The Lamb of God was definitely on his way to Calvary, the Bible says. Matthew 24, or 20, 28 says, He came into the world not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 11 through 12 says, He came as a sin offering for his people, therefore he must die without the camp. Jesus would bear their griefs and carry their sorrows, even though they hated him and said all manner of things against him. They thought he was an imposter. They thought he was suffering for his own sins. Hebrews 7.26 says, Jesus was a sinless one, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, enduring such contradiction of sinners against himself. Hebrews 12, verse 3. He was fulfilling every jot and every tittle of the law. He was indeed being wounded for their transgressions and bruised for their iniquities. Again, Isaiah 53. Because in him there was no iniquity. The chastisement of their peace was laid upon him, and with his stripes they were healed. The whole nation, with the exception of a small group, had sadly gone astray. The Bible said they had turned everyone to their own way. The Father had sent his Son, the Lamb of God, into the world. 
And even though he was the Son of God, he was smitten of God. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Jesus came to pay the sin penalty for them. Someone has said that the Jews were justified in looking for a great and glorious king to deliver them from their enemies. And that Jehovah God has spoken to the prophets saying that the coming Messiah should sit exalted upon the throne of David and rule of the nations of the world. That's true. Also it was prophesied that God would raise unto David a righteous branch. And that king would reign and prosper and execute justice and judgment right here upon this earth. That's true. That's prophesied and it is true. Jeremiah 23 verse 5 and 6 says that in the days of this glorious king, Judah would be saved and Israel would dwell safely. Zechariah 14, Deuteronomy 30, Isaiah 11 and 12, Ezekiel 36 and 37, all prophesied over and over again that in connection with the coming of this king that the nation of Israel should be gathered into them uh, and their own land and dwell there forever delivered from the rule of the heathen. And the prophets did foretell that Jehovah would send a glorious king. God promised all this and much, much more. But what the Jews failed to see was that the scriptures would prophesy which prophesied of this glorious kingdom also prophesied that the Messiah would be a vicarious sufferer, that he would bear the sins of all his people. The psalmist, uh, Zechariah, clearly prophesied of the Messiah's crucifixion. Daniel, chapter 9, said he would be cut off, not for himself, but for others. So Jesus himself said the Jews were fools for not... I believe in all that the prophets had said concerning the promised Messiah. Here's the problem. When you study prophecy, you can't just study what pleases you. you got to study it all to understand it all. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24 for a minute. In Luke chapter 24, and I'll begin to read in verse 25. Then he said unto them, now Jesus is doing his speaking, you think about this for a minute. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So when you study the prophets, and what they, what they prophesied, you got to remember something. Yes, Jesus is a Messiah, a Messiah. Yes, Jesus is a great king. He's coming to rule and reign on this earth. But before that can take place, he has to suffer. I wonder what God is calling the preachers of today. You know, I, I've had people come up to me, preacher, you are not to call people fools. And that's very dangerous. I got news for you. If a Bible calls somebody a fool, I can too. Amen. And what the Bible says is somebody that doesn't preach the truth of the Word of God, the Bible says that person's a fool. Now watch this. When you think about this, 
and people stand in pulpits today and preach about God and say things about God and they never finish uh, what God has truly said about the church and Israel and they don't know how to divide the two and God calls them a fool. Now God is now visiting the Gentiles and calling out a people for His name. The New Testament church of which Jesus is the head and the foundation. Then, when the church is complete, Jesus will return and build again the tabernacle of David that the residue of men might seek after the Lord. Acts chapter 15, verse 16, 17, and 18 all speaks of this. In other words, then, before Jesus can rule and reign on this earth and be the head of the nation Israel like He's going to be, He had to come to the cross, He had to suffer, he had to bleed. He had to die for the sin of the whole world. And all this is promised. God will keep every promise He has made to Abraham and Abraham's children, Israel, the Jew. You ought to study Romans chapter 11 as we've been doing, and it'll explain all these things. Now, let's go back to verse 1. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Verse 1 is so precious to every preacher. When Jesus was on this earth, he traveled in his disciples' cities preaching and teaching. Now Jesus is not present today in bodily form. Now you think about this for just a minute. But... He is always with His servants. We have His promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, I try. I love preaching. I love God. I thank God. God called me to preach. You know what? I don't care where I'm at or what I'm doing. If I'm preaching the Word of God, if I'm standing for the truth of the Word of God, if I'm explaining the Word of God just like it's written, I know God is going to be with me. Because He promised me so. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Now the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. I know that Brother Ronnie Booth always talked about me. He said, I remember as you a young preacher, you, you just got up and preached like crazy and said all kind of crazy things and called people for what they were like you was uh, nine foot tall and bulletproof and and uh, he always talks about that. Well, that's just the way I felt. I couldn't help it. I always felt God was with me. And I always felt i got to preach the truth. And I don't have to stand up here and, and take up for what or, or defend myself because I know that God defends me. Listen to what it says. The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I believe that verse. Now, I said all that to get to something. Verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent to his disciples. Now John sends disciples to question Jesus. The thing I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes, many a preacher has tried to say John the Baptist backslid here in doubting. I'll never believe that. I don't believe John the Baptist ever backslid. You know why? Because the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Now you think about that. John the Baptist was a great man. 
In fact, the Bible says right here in these verses, John the Baptist was the greatest man that had ever been born of woman. Not counting Jesus now. I'm not even talking about in that realm. But as far as man himself, John the Baptist was one of the greatest, uh, the greatest men ever walked the face of this earth. And you're going to tell me he was backslidden? He was questioning if Jesus was God? No. Now, you know what? If I didn't have anything else to prove that Jesus is God, you know what I believe? If He can raise the blind, if He can call the blind to see, if He can turn water into wine, if He can heal a broken leg, like the Bible said He healed the cripple, and He did all these things, listen, Jesus said unto them, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. I got news for you. Anybody can do that, brother. I'm going to say they're God. Amen. And John didn't doubt Jesus. He just wanted to make sure, is this the fellow? Is this him? Is he come? Now, the reason for John sending these disciples to question Jesus, I believe, was to satisfy them that this was truly the Messiah. Not to satisfy himself. He knew he was. But it was just, remember some John had disciples with him. He had those that went with him and preached. And he wanted them to have the satisfaction that Jesus, this one, that's doing all these things, and John is speaking of, he's Jesus. He's the Messiah. And I do not believe that John the Baptist ever doubted Jesus was the promised seed. Remember this also. Uh, Jesus said of John the Baptist in Luke 7, 28, I say unto you among those that are born to women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. In other words, John knew Jesus had to suffer because the prophet said so. He knew he had to die for our sins because he called him the Lamb of God. John would have never called Jesus the Lamb of God if he had not known he was going to have to die for the sins of the whole world. And only a blood sacrifice can take away our sins. I love to study John the Baptist, but I do believe that he makes it plain to us who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Amen? He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And when I study his life, the more I'm convinced, if I need convincing at all, from the Word of God, because I believe the whole Bible is the Word of God. I read about the prophets, I read about the New Testament, and they all fit together. And when I come to the realization that what they prophesied, Jesus did come in this world to go to the cross, but not only that, He's coming back one of the days to rule and reign on this earth. Amen? So all of it's going to be fulfilled. Therefore, I know the Bible's the Word of God. And I know Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. By the way, He's my King too. Amen? Amen. And I'm looking for Him to come back. And I pray even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm so tired of suffering and mess that's going on in this world. And one day, He's going to speak the Word and it's all going to be gone. Looking forward to it. Amen. Glad I'm saved tonight. Appreciate you coming. Stand with me, please. 
If you didn't get any of that, I got a little box of little goodies my kids today brought over from Father's Day. I, I don't know how many we had, about 25 or something, I don't know. House full. I got where I don't even know all of them's name. They all come. They having kids like flies. I got a brand new one. I mean, he ain't that big. That's a, I told him today I call bass bigger than that. And uh, he's the cutest little boy, though. And what is his name? Matea? Matea. Where do they get these names? I don't know. I told them to name them Ledoux. They won't do it. But anyhow, <laughs> I had the best time with them. But you cannot believe the food that they, those kids brought over to the house. And desserts. I know it's yeah, one, two, three, four. I, I think I can't have five pies and cakes. Can't eat all that stuff. And so I got a box of stuff out there. For, if you already gone, get it before you leave now and eat that stuff if you like it. It's good. Got strawberries in there, chocolate dipped, and all kinds of stuff. But it's good. So help yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've been so good to us today. And Father, it is a wonderful thing to be called a father, a daddy, and have kids to love you, and family around us. And we're so glad you let us live, and you let us have a family, and our kids grow up around us, Lord, and and, uh, we just appreciate them so much. And we want to thank you tonight for watching over us. And we do pray for those that's ill now. And we ask you to touch their bodies. But we do pray that you'll go with us on our way home. Watch over and keep us and keep us in safety. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, please. Huh?